Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. And uh, this week on the show, we're talking about John Wick Chapter 2. JWT. Right in the middle of our uh, John Wick series. Last week we did the first one, which was uh, a pleasant surprise for me. I don't know how you guys felt. Um, yeah, we didn't really talk about we the told surprise you last week. Well, yeah, that's true, but we didn't really talk about like... This is like the first time that any of us have seen any of these movies, right? I think, you, I well, mean, he Andrew saw them saw, But like he only saw back. it this year. Yeah, so. I, I, I saw them about two months ago. Yeah. yeah. We're in the middle of a, a bit of a keanu Yeah. John so, Wick June. John, John Wick June, <laughs> as, as you might want to call it. <laughs> or June Wick. So, last week on the show, we, we're introduced to, to Keanu Reeves is John Wick, a retired hitman assassin who is like the best in the world, the Baba Yaga, the, not just the boogeyman, but the man they send to get the boogeyman. Oh, yeah. That's John Wick. Boogeyman. His, uh... He's targeted by some very stupid criminals mm-hmm. who yeah. steal his car and kill his dog. But it's not about that. It is about the relationship that those things have to his uh, deceased wife. Who, uh, yeah. Some kind of sickness. Uh, she, she passed away and, and now he's angry and wants vengeance. So he, uh, he, he gets his vengeance. And now we're set up for John Wick Chapter 2. Which starts out with John getting his car back, finally, and just when he think he thinks he's out, they pull him right back in. Yep. When uh, I don't know, uh, what's his name? Anybody remember his name? The guy who comes no, to I him. I feel like it's similar to Antonio. Yeah, a lot of the uh, ancillary characters Tazarov, are not really Tara- important. Tarazov. I don't know. I'm just looking. Are you talking just, about the guy that? Who who his, comes to him and brings him back in? His who, blood oath. Who guy. says? Oh, who his, says? His name is Demario or Santonio Demario. Santonio, we'll go with that. Santonio Holmes. Santonio. 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 Santonio Dantino. Are you? Are we positive? Uh, I have it written down. Santonio Dantonio. Santino Dantonio. Santino makes more sense. Santino Dantonio. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've got. That was an embarrassing few minutes of of. Catch up the names are too like. similar. <laughs> so <laughs> rhyme. Santino. And Andrew can't. And he, yeah, I forget it. <laughs> Santino comes to what? John Wick and says, "Listen, I helped you get out of the game, and we have a blood oath. Now you have to help me." And I believe he wants him to kill somebody's sister. He wants, he wants to, to kill, kill his, his own, own sister. sister. Yeah, that's right. So John Wick's back in the game. Uh, yada yada yada. Movie happens. Now let's talk about the movie. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. It uh, yeah begins like you said. Pretty much picks up more or less where the last one left off. There may be a couple days have passed. Yeah. Listen, I know we're in a new place, but we got to keep the system the same. We got to do the one word thing. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one word. Yes, one word to describe the film. Mm. I'll go first, and I will say expansion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say parabola. <laughs> That's good. I'm parabola. Parabola. I'll explain it if I need to. Thank you. Do we'll okay. To in just one second. Yeah. A- Andrew, I'm going to say ibuprofen. Oh my goodness! <laughs> because a lot of people in the show, in the movie needed an ibuprofen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say. I don't know. I don't know how to describe this in one word. Um, last, last the last one I did with a sound. Yeah, you just kind of screamed mm-hmm. at us, and that would apply to this one too. Um. I like what you said about expansion, but I don't want to steal it. Well, yeah, I'm going to steal it. I'm going to say expansion. Expansion's good. 
So for me, I said Parabola because this movie starts off really interesting and then don't care, don't care, don't care, don't care. And then at the end, it goes back up to where I'm interested. You got an upside down Parabola. I got an upside down Parabola. Do you guys feel the same about that? Kind of, yeah. Okay. I... Go oh, ahead. go ahead, Andrew. No, no, no. No, 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 you, no, no, you, no, you, no, you, no, 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 me, please. No, the film, I think, is has is going fine, and it, to me, hits a certain uh, wall, and I'll get into that later, but I, I think, uh, uh, to contrast, Garrett, if I was to describe mine as some sort of mathematical <laughs> equation represented by a graph, it would be sort of like a steep line graph that hits a wall and then plateaus mm, mm-hmm. like it just goes and then it goes and then it has like and it's not really like that it gets bad it just like hits a point and i go okay and then it just kind of kept going and i just kind of went okay okay and then it never quite got back up to exciting okay but, you, but you're saying it didn't go down for you no it just kind of okay no because okay. it's still an incredibly produced film okay yeah there's a definitely a lot of energy in the movie and there was, uh, I felt, I kind of felt the same thing at some point in time, there was a plateau that it hit and it didn't lose my interest, but I'm thinking like, all right, there's a lot of action going on, but where is it all going? And while I didn't, I don't think that's a weak point of the film. It's just a questionable point in the film because mm-hmm. at some point in time, I, I want to be, I want to know what the story is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is more action than story, which I think that's kind of how the John Wick universe works right now. So, mm-hmm. um, what was I going to say? Oh, I remember. Um, so we know that this franchise has like no, at least publicly known endpoint. We don't really know how far they're going to go, how many they're going to do. Right. It kind of depends on the success of the film. But I think if you look at it from a trilogy perspective knowing that we know there are three movies out this second one kind of suffers from the middle movie uh thing that a lot of movies suffer from where it's just kind of bridging two bigger stories Mm -hmm. so i think it and i say suffer lightly because i i I lean more toward uh david's perspective of a of a more of a plateau than a than a downward slope but i can i yeah i can also identify like where that happens like <clears throat> and I, I understand that you have to get through the middle to get to the end to set up the third movie. And we'll talk about that next week. But like I and and we'll get I don't want to get too deep into it because we'll talk about it in the, the stuff that we didn't like. But I just did not care one single bit about him having to go after that sister. Didn't care. I had zero attachment and I was I was honestly bored. Yeah. There wasn't a ton of a- there was a, like a few action parts, it was, but like that that was a major focus, and there wasn't enough action to keep my attention, and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some of our favorite scenes, and then come back to that. Yeah, because like yeah, I think like that, that might be a, a meteor discussion. I'll I'll start with uh, I like. There's a scene really early on where um, John gets his car back. Uh, first of all, I really like the action of that whole sequence. Um, a lot of people got hit by a car, <laughs> especially, especially John Wick. Especially yeah. John Wick was just ka-dum, 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 I know, hit I, by my cars. ankles hurt watching it. But I really liked when he finally gets the car back. He pulls into his garage and his car's all beat up. And you're like, man, all he wanted was this freaking car back, and it's all torn to pieces. And then he opens the glove box, and you find out he never really wanted the car at all. It was the birthday card in there from his wife with the photo of the two of them together. 
once again showing that just like the dog, the car was about his wife mm-hmm. and what a- was inside the car, not about the car. So I really like that character moment for him. It's what those those items represent more than what they actually are. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's And so it it is a really cool opening thing. In terms of favorite elements of this, I do like that they tried to expand sort of exactly what John Wick's past was. They have this whole, these, they have these items, these tokens, these coins that apparently represent debts or or payment. They have these uh, markers. Yeah, oh, markers and, is what yeah, they're called. Yeah, markers that they put like a blood print on mm-hmm. and mark their oath. And it's clear, I think even in the opening credits of this one, or maybe this the third one, it's hard to remember now. They're, I'm confusing the two, but they're, they're hinting at these special items and tokens within the within the series so that, you know, when eventually they pay all of those off, um, it's, you know, who knows in the fifth film, <laughs> we'll, uh, there, there'll be a, it'll be extra special. They expanded the idea of the Continental, which is kind of uh, something that I was really uh, anxious for. In after the first one, I it was it was one of the more interesting aspects, and um, and I didn't necessarily mind the new way they're doing it because it was like they were it was like they were handcuffing John Wick in the beginning with this mission he has to go on because like we didn't mention this but Santino says, hey, you got to go do this thing for me. And John Wick just straight up tells him no. Like, yeah, I don't that's care true. About, yeah, he, yeah. I don't care about your blood oath or anything like that. I'm out. I'm out. And so D'Antonio brings out like a rocket launcher and blows <laughs> up his house. Yeah. Like sets his whole house on fire. John like and the do. dog get out. And um, and he's like, yeah, so you're doing this whether you like it or not. And he goes, okay, I'm going to do this. But once I'm done, I'm killing you. Yeah. <laughs> like I will hold true to the, to, the, to the promise I made and I'll kill your sister. And then when I'm done, I'm coming for you. <laughs> yep. Piggybacking off of that, I really enjoyed. Again, they had a, the, another scene with him and a cop mm-hmm. after his I house got blown up. I, I think tell. It, I couldn't tell either because the guy that was the cop this time was in like the newsroom and he's been in a bunch of stuff. And I didn't recognize the cop from the first one. Yeah, but it was uh, there was a scene where the, it started off with John and his new dog looking at the house, and I just thought that was a really cool shot of their backs looking at the house in flames. And I felt like that was a lot of symbolism to set up mm-hmm. fire and hell and craziness that was going to happen. But then the cop comes up and he's like, uh, Hey John, gas leak. <laughs> <laughs> they just go, yeah, you working again. And then John just walks away and the cop goes, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Andrew, what about your favorite scenes? My favorite scene was, he went to go meet the Bowery King. Okay. I love the Bowery King. The Bowery Played King. Played by Lawrence Fishburne. Played by Lawrence Fishburne. And Matrix Redo? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I love how that, how that got set up, like, uh, especially when he's getting away from the killers in the subway, which I'll dive into in a minute, because that is a hot take. Um, <laughs> uh, when he's getting away from the killers, the last people you would expect for him to shelter him would be the homeless people. Yeah, and you find out the homeless people have their own underground. <laughs> They're like yeah. somehow part of this the, whole the, yeah. secret society. And then you find out that the Bowery King is actually Morpheus. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my brother. It, that's one, I, that's kind of you know what I think about when I think of the word expansion with this movie is is how much it expands the uh, mythology of of the John Wick universe with the underground. Uh, Bowery King yeah. situation. They give you the high table. The with, high table, yeah, the, the markers, yeah, more on that. Like, it really yeah. sets up this 
Yeah, because in the first one, we kind of just got the Continental. That was kind of the dipping our toes into it. Right. And in this one, we get the Bowery King and the Markers and everything. And then when we talk next week about the third one, we'll talk about how it goes even further. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of building blocks for these movies. Yeah, there was no real reason in the first film to think that John Wick was necessarily anything part of a bigger no, program. not really. He was just sort of like a singular assassin or hitman or cleaner yeah. or whatever you call these kind of guys who work for one specific mob and then retired. But they really kind of expanded that to be like, no, they're these kind of like freelance hitmen, mm-hmm. you know, can well, just take any contract. Yeah. Um, I have actually a favorite scene that is separated from, because we, we mostly just talked about some of the beginning, some of the favorite yeah. uh, beginning aspects, but I love the uh, fight in like, I don't know what you call it, the mirror world, <laughs> the mirror rooms. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's this there's this fight sequence. It's pretty pro- prolonged in this like uh, museum like uh, mirrored world, mirrored, uh, mirrored hallway room series of things. Yeah. And it's just really cool the way they mess with like I kept watching, kept waiting for like the camera to like suddenly be in a shot. I kept like waiting and watching really carefully. See, like, like can I catch the camera in one of these? And you just couldn't. It was just incredibly well choreographed to be to make you feel like you were right in there with them. And um uh, these mirrors are shifting around and moving and they push in and out. It was a fun house essentially, yeah. but a fun house played with these incredibly crazy fight sequences mixed throughout and blood would splatter on one mirror and you knew that guy wasn't right there. So anything like, turn around getting there. That's if there's any one thing I got to say about the John Wick series so far is that they've not, they have definitely been stylistic as all get out. Oh yeah. And I love how that that combination of film noir and action. Mm-hmm. It's it's something it's it's a bit of a fresh take because too many film noirs try to be try to have that action element, mm-hmm. and they're trying they're trying to do that to a point where it's just like it, it gets to it gets boring. Mm-hmm. And John Wick somehow has succeeded in not doing that. Right. And, yep. I, and I love how the I love the use of colors. Yep. I love the use of the use of camera work is is terrific and the use of sound and the use of editing if there's any one yeah. thing i'll take take away from this i'm i'm a sucker for uh technical technical terms or looking at technical stuff uh this movie is like so stylistic these movies so far have been very stylistic in the in the technical realm yeah i wouldn't be surprised if this isn't used for like like film school yeah showing people how to work with sure it's like the geography of a scene, mm-hmm. you know, you have like your set and you have like your obstacles in the scene and how do you manage your talent mm-hmm. within that moment, within that sequence, you know, and uh, how do you station the camera, that yeah. kind of stuff. Like it's uh, uh, incredibly adept or whoever, whoever is responsible for staging these and choreographing them and, and uh, picking the. Picking the locations for some of the stuff. It's, 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 some of the, it's some really great locales. And yeah, like you said, just fantastic from every technical point of view. Yeah. I also enjoyed, uh, we, again, moving on from like the beginning where most people <laughs> yeah. talk. I enjoyed the scene on the subway with John oh, and Cassian. Yeah. Uh, who's played by Common. Common yeah. When they're both on the subway train and they get on opposite ends of the train. And there's this big... so. John at this point in time had killed Cassian's like friend. I guess he's he was her bodyguard. Oh yeah, yeah. The 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 wife. The, the yeah, sister the sister. Was his, like uh, he was the bodyguard of her. the sister he was hired or told to go kill. Right. So he so Cassian's now trying to get revenge. They chase each other, go down the subway on opposite ends, 
full subway car mm -hmm. and there's this big tension like they're both just looking at each other and these skilled hitmen what are they you, it builds this tension of what are they going to do are they going to yeah. kill all of or like go at it with all of these innocent yeah. people in there and so they stop at a train and a few people get off and they get a little closer but there's no real dialogue in this and so they go to another one and then a few people get off and then they get a little closer mm -hmm. And then they try to keep everything real subtle. Cassian pulls out a knife and like keeps it at his side and like tries to thrust. John holds it and they're doing this real back and forth kind of a thing. And then they just go at it. Mm -hmm. With like maybe there's at that point like six people left. Yeah. And they go they go screaming they, out of the bus or out of the train the next yep. people. And then the they get into a big fight and John stabs Cassian in the heart, but does this like he there's been mentions of like professional courtesies or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, if you pull, this is in your aorta. If you pull this out, you will bleed to death. If you leave the blade in, you'll likely survive. So John leaves and you just see Cassian sitting on the subway car by himself with a sword or a knife in his chest. And he's just laughing. It was really a good tension builder yeah. and a crazy scene. And, uh, on that note, uh, I want to also. Uh, Common was really good in this, I think. Common was, and I actually want to compliment. Uh, what's her name? Ruby Rose. Mm -hmm. She was really good in this. Well, I have too. something about her. Um, she but was we'll really, talk about that later. She had a good, like, intimidating feel. She was deaf, wasn't she? She was, yeah. and she was really intimidating without saying a word. And um, there became a. There's it's a Batwoman now, right? Yep. Yes, playing Batwoman. Batwoman. Yeah. There's a phrase that is given to her, and I think given to Common too, that will come back up in. John Wick 3, which seems to be a statement you make when you kind of like fight somebody to the death and you pretty much finish them off, but you choose not to kill them in that moment, mm. which is just saying, see you soon. Yep. Or, or be seeing be you. Be seeing you. Yeah, just be seeing you. And um, and so like he says that to Ruby, even though he leaves her in a similar situation. of. Did she have a name? Because death. I have, uh, in my notes, I have just called her Hansy McGee because <laughs> the first introduction to her, she was frisking John Wick and she like reached through his legs and just grabbed up on his butt and uh, I never heard of a name so I just called her Hansy McGee. According to this, Aries? Or maybe okay. Aries. I'm going to stick with Hansy McGee because it's funnier. It is funnier. <laughs> that is, It is definitely funnier than the name Aries. <laughs> Hansy McGee. On a scale. Aries is down here <laughs> just below Cassian in terms of humor. Josh, any yeah. of your favorite scenes towards the mid or, or later parts of the film? Um, yeah, so my favorite scene at the end is uh, when when John Wick just shoots Santino in the face. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You yeah. Screamed I screamed. I screamed. <laughs> it was so, I did too. I, like, I, didn't, I don't think I screamed, but I, my mouth he was hit like, the floor. Yeah, Jonathan, why don't you... Yeah. <laughs> Shot in the head. He was like, now why, did, that, now why did why why did you like that, Josh? What's so um, special the, about that? <laughs> because I'm sick. <laughs> no, the sh I I I uh, I like the shock value. I didn't expect it. I did not expect it. No. And he did it in such a brutal way. And he followed through on his promise. He said, "I'll kill the sister, and then I'm going to kill you." And then he did, and he didn't even let him like have a final word. No, it's a true anti-hero moment. Yeah. yeah, because we're so used to heroes making the morally right choice in that mm -hmm. situation, and. Letting the law be the law. If, if the law of the Continental is you don't do business in the Continental, John should allow that to be the case and wait till he can get Santino outside and then put him down. But John just says, screw it. You know, mm -hmm. and it's a really like, I don't know, it's kind of weirdly uh, fulfilling because you want that guy to die. He sucks. He does. He did suck. He does suck. Um, 
Do we want to talk about some of the least favorite parts now? Yeah, let's do that. Anything else? Okay. Um, who wants to go first? Specifically, in contrast to Andrew, I do not like the Lawrence Fishburne scene. Oh. I was that, that was oh. the point where I, it was around that time that I started to be like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, it's like a whole new thing just comes out of nowhere, essentially. And uh, now it's obvious now in retrospect, having now seen uh, Parabellum, what they were doing. But it was very much a... This is the middle. It was one, and I say that. Oh gosh, I feel like I'm going to say it again in, a, in about a week. This is very much like this is the middle movie kind of moment because it was like very. It became very obvious towards the finish of that that they were that was a part of a setting up for more movies down the line. That that was the reason they bring this character in here, and so it just kind of. And I don't mind that sometimes that can be really good, but it just felt really. I don't feel like the third act was where to set that up, which is where it came in. It was like towards the very end of the film, they introduced this new character and this new this new group this new uh, player in the big scene of things and uh, so it was just kind of to me i was just kind of distracted by it all of a sudden of like this new character and his new motivation and where all this is going and uh, so i wasn't a big fan of it it just kind of took me out of the moment watching it the first time wrong <laughs> <laughs> i just didn't Nothing like i for real didn't like at all the middle part of the story like I was, I, I really was intrigued by the whole blood marker idea and like this guy coming back and making John execute this thing that he didn't want to do. I thought that was really an interesting part of the lore that they have these markers and and they set that up and I get it. I just didn't care. I wasn't invested. John didn't want to do it. You didn't give me enough re like I didn't want Santino or Santana. What I I don't remember. Santino. Santino. I, I didn't want him to be on the high table. I I just truly, truly didn't care. And but I get that you had to have that part because then it set up the second half or the third act, which I did enjoy, of Santino. So John kills his sister, and then Santino turns on John because he has to get vengeance for his sister. Mm-hmm. So he goes after John. Then he creates a contract, an open contract, and everyone turns against John Wick. And so all of these assassins are against John Wick. And I enjoyed that aspect of it. And you get more of that in the third one where it's essentially John versus everyone else. And I liked that. So there was this whole montage of like scenes where all these assassins were coming after him. And he shot the sumo wrestler assassin like 17 times one time directly in the brain and he kept getting up but i liked that whole idea i just that whole middle swing and for me it's the opposite i was just like because these guys these guys it it started you like that world building stuff i did like the world building stuff but it was kind of like a uh, there was an aspect of it of this particular what what the world actually turned out to be that they were building but the middle part had nothing to do with world building i know it was him going after to kill some random person that he didn't want to kill that wasn't building i know but it and it was it was following a a progression that made you know like a certain amount of sense and then this contract comes in and it was like i don't know just there became like a point and i feel like it'll get amplified when we talk about parabellum where it went from a very like like taken series of like this is kind of gritty real kind of stuff obviously with a lot of style and color and then it started like slowly jumping into like a kingsman world where there's just like all these absurd assassins of different cartoonist skill sets like one plays the violin and has like a secret gun in her violin like she's 
uh, like she's uh, in Desperado or something. It did come across so, like every single human being in New York yeah, is some form of every, assassin. Every street, any given street corner has three to four assassins on mm-hmm. it in New York City. It was kind of like, I was like, okay, this is getting a little, like it, it, it walked a line for me. Like I said, I don't, I'm not, I don't hate it, but it was the series that like once that started becoming an element, it was cool, but I was also like, but they're making them so, so different and it only gets amplified in the third one, the, range of different types of assassins we end up seeing sorry i took a second turn there no that's okay you take all the turns you want um (sighs) something specific i didn't like i don't know not that we haven't talked about already it's kind of it feels slower toward the middle um i don't really know how how they could have fixed that Andrew, I I liked this movie quite a lot. So I, don't no, really... I, I mean, I like this movie too. There, there's just there was one there's one thing I didn't that, not a particular scene, but just like does no one panic in any of these movies? Not when they're all assassins. No, yeah. like it's just like it's like people get shot. It, it was it was one thing I had wrong with the subway was that common or. or Whatever, whatever Cassian was Ca- the character's name, yeah. Yeah, Cassian and John Wick are shooting at each other in a crowded subway station. Yeah, that was a little like 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 Cassian's up so, top, John's down below, and they're shooting and they're, like sniper bullets at each other. Yeah, they're shooting sniper discreetly bullets at, across the room. Yeah, while there's people all around, and nobody literally gives a shit. Nobody's seeing it. Nobody's yeah. catching on. I mean, they're assassins, but they're not necessarily being that discreet. No, they're like just walking around. Yeah. And that, that that's the only thing that I that's the only thing I took away from that that I didn't like. I'm just like, you know, people would be like shit in their pants right now. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely gave me weird feelings about public shootings. Yeah. Every now and then like that the maybe, club scene maybe that's like that. it. Like Well, the club scene I think was different or the concert scene because everybody was blitz, blitzed out of their mind yeah. I would assume because he killed some dude on stage and they all went, "Woo!" Yeah. Even though they were not there. It is, but unfortunately, we have seen situations like that, nightclub yeah. shootings and stuff like that. It's a very, like, people aren't ready for that type of situation to break out. So, it did, there was, there's, I'm not trying to sound like a, a buzzkill, but it is kind of like, there was elements where. Buzzkill's good like, to assassinate. In these public shootings, it is. In these public shooting scenarios, I did kind of, like, have moments that I would take out and just kind of think, like, man, the real world scenario there is a terrifying I, I, That's one. an interesting conversation to be had by, by people better at that than us. <laughs> because it, it's true. I mean, there's been other pop culture uh, items that have faced that. I mean, a, uh, a couple years back, Netflix delayed the release of The Punisher because of its proximity to the Las Vegas shooting. Mm-hmm. So when you do see a movie that contains so much a graphic violence like that, and some some smart people should talk about it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> who's Who knows how that impacts... Society, whether it be yeah. through fear or whatever else, mm-hmm. good discussion for another day. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Film. Yeah. Uh, any, um, any more, more like uh, spicy hot takes? I have <laughs> one. I have a couple. I I called them letdowns because I felt like they were building up a lot of stuff and they didn't follow through, and it made me sad. The first one was so when John Wick met the Bowery King. <clears throat> They had their conversation. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was them talking about the contract that's on John Wick. 
And the Bowery King said, what's your contract up to? $7 million? Damn, it's Christmas. We're going to Applebee's after this. I thought that was really funny. And so it throughout that scene, there's a setup that we learned that John and the Bowery King have a past. Mm-hmm. And so John is trying to persuade him to, to the Bowery King to help him. So he eventually decides to do that, gives him a gun with seven bullets. Mm-hmm. He's like, $7 million, you get seven bullets. That's it. And I felt like, okay, John is a trained assassin. He is going to have to figure out how to get to his target, which is Santino at this time, mm-hmm. and kill him with only seven bullets. And boy, was I wrong because he fired those seven shots immediately. <laughs> and yeah. I thought that that could have been some kind of a, like, put him in a situation where, like, he knows he only has seven bullets and he goes to shoot somebody, but he can't because he only has seven yeah. bullets. But then it was like, nope, bam, 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 and then stole a bunch of guns. I and I was like, really let down. I want to feel like he left, he got down to one and realized, oh, crap, I shot six bullets. Yeah. And then he, like, kept it and then he just started stealing everybody else's guns from yeah. him. It was, I was like, oh, that kind of, that kind of. That's kind of gaming the system a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Take more. Yeah, exactly. So that I thought that was something that could have been a little bit more played out mm-hmm. and brought a little more attention, a little more excitement. But instead, he blew his load in one shot and just got <laughs> done, got over it. The other letdown was Hansie McGee. <laughs> they, I felt like they built her up to be this badass, gonna give him a run for his money mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing. But when I look back on it, she did nothing successful yeah she she was following them throughout the whole time so she was like bat woman at the time just like lurking from the top as he's going around they fight he gets away she apologizes Mm. and then when they have their fight in the the hall of mirrors Mm. it's very one-sided john kicks her butt and she does nothing to even challenge him and that kind of let me down because i was excited to see somebody finally step up and give him a little taste yeah she was she did not she was this film's mayhem then for you yeah Yeah. she just didn't accomplish anything she again she apologized for messing up and then when she had a chance to redeem herself she got her ass kicked big time Mm -hmm. and i felt like there could have been a little bit better of a battle other than that, I mean, I don't really have anything. There's not really. Does much everybody? Well, does everyone agree with that? First of all, should we? Oh, uh, you know, I thought she was really intimidating, but yeah, it, at the end of the day, it wasn't really that big of a stepping stone for John no. Wick. More than the hundreds of minions that came before her, like he. Yeah, she was know, just like. I feel like you know she was a minion with a name rather than like that's it. She was just a waste of a of a. I thought she was a waste. I feel like otherwise, Common was a bet was a bigger threat yeah. to him in terms of an actual fight. They had a better fight. It was closer. He yeah. almost, yeah, you know, Common almost managed to pull it off. Mm-hmm. So I thought we would see Common again in the third one because yeah. it wasn't necessarily explicit that he did die. Right. So who knows? All right. I don't, really, I don't really have an opinion. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great husband answer to anything. Yes. I have no opinion. <laughs> I really don't have an opinion. I really Please don't, don't ask me. <laughs> No, no, I just, uh, I mean, I just, <laughs> that's, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I don't really have one either. That's okay. I do want to, I do want to compliment one more thing. I don't like, there's aspects of it I don't agree with, but I also like don't have a passionate enough argument to sure. defend yeah, them. I, I think it's kind of where I am. Like with like, the bullet thing, my thought was I'd rather they just not done it because it, this, they've set up a world where it's stupid to think that there'd only be seven. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. If they had gone through with it and had him do it, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. 
would have been. And dumb that's to me. fair. I get that too. So yeah, like he's never. All of a sudden, John Wick is like, oh, I only got seven bullets. I yeah. wouldn't have bought it. No. So that, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have just I wanna, not done it. I want to compliment one more thing. But that does play we, in next week. Before we move that on whole to scene. the next part of the show is Ian McShane mm-hmm. and the guy. I didn't. I have not learned his act, the actor's name, but the guy who plays like the concierge. main concierge, <laughs> concierge of the Continental. Those guys are really like Ian McShane is always great in everything. But I, they've the, they've really endeared me to the concierge character who uh, has befriended John Wick and is kind of like, Mr. Wick. Karen? We a, Sher- Sharon? We have a room for you now. C-H-A-R-O-N. Is that his character's name? Yeah. Oh, it's probably Karen then, yeah. He's Lance like, Reddick is the actor. It's the name of the ferryman of the underworld. Nah, that's true. So, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's Look at this. With What's the, Ian McShane's character? Oh, it's Winston. Winston, yeah. That's not really the, referential to Hades or Continental's manager. But uh, they've really endeared that character <laughs> to me. <laughs> he's like... Winston doesn't fit. I, I would walk your... I'll take your dog for you. And um, we should talk about how this movie ends, though. So the movie ends with, so uh, you talked about John Wick shoots Santino right in the head yeah, he in does. the Continental. So John Wick has broken basically the ultimate sin Ooh, as far okay. as the high table is concerned. And Winston says, I'm going to give you, as because we're friends, I'm going to give you till 6 p.m. basically, or I'm going to give you an, an hour, and then you're going to be, there's going to be like a $14 million bounty on your head. Um, you're excommunicado. Mm-hmm. And he calls up this weird... Uh, old-fashioned, strange uh, hitman group of uh, what do you call it? Like a hotline, switchboard, phone operator, yeah. switchboard operator, ladies who uh, I don't have, know. Andrew would know who have like Andrew Nichols age <laughs> computer systems that connect to the internet and phones everywhere, and uh, and they they put out the uh, ex, you know the John Wick ends up he's just running away like he takes his dog and he's running into the next film. Yep. So. John Wick's now on the run, not just from the bad guys that he tried to escape in the past. Yeah. Now he's on the run from people who may have considered him friends. He is excommunicado. He was on his own. And that's what I, again, that's what I liked about the third act of this movie was that he had people that were coming after him. Mm-hmm. Now he has everybody coming after him. And it really is John Wick versus the world. Yeah. Listen, this triggered a hot take for me Uh-oh. that I'm remembering now that I will also have next week. Why is it? That in John Wick Chapter 2, all of a sudden, we care when someone conducts business at the Continental. When numerous people conducted business at the Continental in John Wick 1, in order to kill John Wick, it was established in that movie that you can't do that, but there were no consequences for any of the people who did. She died. Miss Perkins got shot. But let's talk about the extreme measures they go through to punish someone, anyone else. Yeah. They're not just like taken care of. There's like a whole system that goes into place. I just thought, I, I'm sure it comes down to this is a original franchise that they're building from the ground up. So mm. like things change over time. Mm. But when you look back, it's like, all right, clearly you're changing the rules a little bit. Yeah, you're making, <laughs> you know, they they put down Miss Perkins in like a well, like a, a execution of like several people come in and shoot her. And uh, Willem Dafoe, I got the impression, was never trying to kill John Wick in the first movie. Like, he shoots the pillow, like, next to him. And it's if a he's warning a, shot. He's an expert sniper. He's going to hit him. Yeah. He's, I think he's warning him that Miss Perkins is in the room. Yep. And then the second time he shoots, he purposely misses and hits one of the guys who is tying him hostage. And then Willem Dafoe ends up getting in that movie anyway. So if he was breaking Continental Rules, he dies before he has a chance to reap the... Uh, whirlwind there yeah but the, yeah this film like it really expands on all those concepts brings in this this whole hierarchy of of this criminal underworld 
And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, it only gets more and more uh, over the top in the Bonkers. second and yeah. third film. So yeah, like we said, John Wick is now excommunicado, and there's a $14 million bounty out for his head, um, and he runs off into the night with his new dog. That's how the movie ends. His name is Dog. His dog. name is Dog, very cleverly. So uh, let's wrap up this part of the show by talking about should this movie have been made? I always struggle with this one on the second one. Because yeah, we'll look at, you got to look at the first. Right, and I know. And think, did we need it? I mean, no. The first one ended. You didn't really have anything that led into this one. So, I mean, technically, no. Am I glad it was made? Sure, because it sets up this world. But, like, realistically, I don't think so. The film did... The film doubled its budget. The film was sort of critically loved. The first film, John Wick. And so, as I think, as long as uh, the studio had faith in the creator and thinks John Wick is a bankable star, I guess it makes all the sense in the world to greenlight this film. I don't know if, from a story writing standpoint, a sequel needed to be made. The big question that you guys more or less had coming out of last week's episode was, how did what happened to his car? And they get they they take they tackle that question, but I don't think that's a big enough question to warrant another movie. No. And of course, that wasn't the point of this movie. They got that out of the way really soon and yeah. created basically this film's kind of like the second Pirates of the Caribbean film. Because that film Are you sure it's not like the Dark Knight? It is similar to the Dark Knight, but not entirely like Okay. It. Because so you have like Pirates Two and this movie. They create a whole new story basically for you. Mm-hmm. They go like, hey, you know all that stuff that we kind of like reference and it's all stuff that like we don't get into in the first one? Here it all is. And now like, so John Wick 2 is essentially the start of the actual story that carries into John Wick 3 and John Wick 4. And what happened in the first one is just kind of like, like you guys call it, called an or, the origin story. It's an story. origin story. Yeah. It's just kind of like, who, who, who is, this is John Wick. And the second one is, here's John yeah. Wick's story. So from 2, 3, and probably going onward, that's where the actual story begins. So in terms of the terms of creating a new thing, I don't know if like the first movie from a story point necessitated a sequel, but everything else did. The yeah. Success of the film. I agree with the story necessarily didn't, but yeah, I think the the overarching question at the end of any origin story is now what? Mm-hmm. What does this character or characters do that we've just spent the past two hours getting acquainted with and learning about? Now what happens to them that their um, story is out of the way? So I think from that perspective, if you want to see, if you feel like John Wick was a, was a character with enough depth that you want to see more of him, regardless of the particular storyline, then yeah, I think any sort of sequel was um, not just necessary or wanted, but probably necessary if it, if it made the money, it did and it did, so... And I'm glad because imagine if they had set if they had set up a sequel in the first one and it didn't work out, that would have sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should this movie have been made? I feel like I feel like yes. I think it's we're in the. I mean, obviously, we're hosting a show about sequels, and we're hosting. <laughs> I feel That's why we have this discussion. Sure. Yeah. The sequel part is important. What I feel like now is that we're entering this realm of film where movies are just chapters. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I f- and granted, this is chapter two. It's literally called that. It's literally called that. But the storytelling is going more serialized, is what you're saying. That's that's my that's my deal. And you know, we have everything now is completely serialized. TV shows are, TV shows are completely serialized. Uh, comic books are completely serialized, mm-hmm. although they often they kind of always happen. Right. Uh, but movies now are entering that that serialized phase. Um, the first John Wick, if it was a standalone, if it which was, it was, which it was, I mean, it was a sta- it, it it sets itself up as a standalone movie. It has enough cult status to warrant to maybe warrant a sequel, mm-hmm. and then we get into this, and all of a sudden, everything just kind of goes, just kind of goes into its own direction. Mm-hmm. And while I wasn't intrigued in the beginning, the ending. Did have me wondering, like, well, now where is this going to go? Mm. If they didn't always plan it as a se- series, yeah, I part of me wants to believe they maybe they did, but if they if they hadn't, there came a point somewhere within the the filming of John Wick one where they said, where you know, if they didn't want this to be a series, they would have killed John Wick at the end of the first movie. Mm-hmm. He just would have he would have died on his quest. He yeah. would have he would have completed his quest and then he would have like died in the gutter where he in, where he is at the beginning of the film before we get the flashback he would have like died with his like wife's photo and his and a new dog in his hand or something like that or dreaming about it or something like that and that would have been the end of the film and it would have been an incredible film yep but they left him alive which basically gave them the the, the, the out if we never get the green light to make another one of these oh well it was a great film but we've left the door open for a possibility so but just by leaving him alive. just by leaving him alive, because if they really wanted it to be close ended or right. uh, book ended, they would have it's it's a it's a perfect way to end that story if you're never going to do another one. Right. But they may have been planning the, the guy who created this, the people who created this may have planned for this to be a series all along, but they just had to make sure the first one worked. Yeah. I want to ask you talked a bit about a serialization of movies and then being in a phase of that now. Did you say that from a from a perspective of that being a good or bad thing for for movies right now? So I'm conflicted by that. Okay. And the reason why the reason why is this: I feel like we do a good job. I mean, we do. I mean, we being us. We being us. Table. <laughs> we do a good. I mean, we 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 analyze we analyze these serials very good. We try to stay on top of everything, which is cool. Um. You cut this in editing. I don't know whether. <laughs> but what do, what, do what, you what, do? You uh, like the films are serialized, or do you not? I, I'm. Uh, I'm on the fence about it. Okay. And the reason why mm-hmm. I'm on the fence about it is because I understand the idea of world building, universe building. It's a cool thing, mm-hmm. but at some point in time, it's just like. It's just like you know, I, can, can can we not like can we not just explain, just tell a story in one film? Mm. Do we just have to keep it going? You have to keep that? going because it it doesn't necessarily always go down to story building. It mm. goes down to how can we make the most money possible? That's, and that, and sequels and franchises make money because it's familiarity. People know it, they recognize it, they go see it, even if they don't. Like, how many horror movies are made that don't need to be made, mm. but they make their money back and they make the studio money? Mm. Like, that's that's a lot of what goes into it. So, mm. like, let's say John Wick didn't, they didn't intend it to be a, a whole franchise. Mm. 
it it made its money back. It it overall did a good enough job at the box office for the studio to go, let's try this again. Yeah. If they did intend it to be a sequel or a franchise, then that's that's one thing because it seems like they have this lore set up. So they went in smart. My my frustration comes when there's a movie and it's done and it did well, and then they go make me another one, and then they have to scramble and go, oh, this wasn't the intention, yeah. but okay, and then it just keeps going. And uh, there's a while too of like once you make so many movies, it makes the viewer feel like they have homework, you know, yeah. like. Oh, that movie looks kind of exciting, but I haven't seen the first thirteen. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's how that's the mindset people are getting with like fanta- the, the the Fast and the Furious series. Yeah, with the Marvel Cinematic Like honestly, Universe. I'm not it's looking forward to the, the Fast DC and the Furious movies. series because there's what there's going to be nine. This is the ninth one they're working on. I think. Yeah, like, that's a lot. See, and, and this, I think uh, there's one series I'm thinking of right now. It has to be Mission Impossible mm. because Mission Impossible. When we discussed it, I. The Mission Impossible series thus far is probably one of my favorite series that we've discussed because they've all, it's not exactly a serial, it's not a serialization. I mean, they're all sequels. If anything's a serialization, it's the the Fallout and Rogue Nation because Mm -hmm. they have the same villain. But they all have, they all take their, take their time to develop their stories and they're very intriguing. Mm -hmm. Here, I feel like if you get to a point, if you get to a point where like, you have the same story and you're just expanding it over several years. It's just like, all right, let's move on. But let's, it's, do, let's do something else. It's complicated. It's not necessarily anything new. It sounds like something you something that maybe you're not a big fan of necessarily is the idea of the cliffhanger at the end of, say, the second movie. Yeah. You know, and it's it's not it's hardly anything new too because that's like one of the yeah. most famous sequels, Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. You know, is a very contained story within itself, mm-hmm. but it's a cliffhanger I- ending. You know, mm-hmm. like where are they going from here? What happened to Han? What's going, you know, like, are they they going to get Vader? What's going on here? And can you see that film and and love it without having seen the first Star Wars? It's a a question I couldn't answer since I've seen all of them Mm -hmm. a billion times. I feel like Mission Impossible is a good one to bring up because I feel like Mission Impossible kind of encapsulates a lot of the ideas that people have about sequels because that was one that took a long hiatus between... Uh, Between films. most of them, yeah. you know, like Mission Impossible three. Only recently and have four, they been pretty like close big together. Yeah, like, yeah, like Rogue Nation was released in twenty sixteen. Yeah, and Mission Impossible was three was released in the win two thousand four, two thousand six. Uh, yeah, Mission Impossible three was yeah two thousand six, and the the one yeah uh, Ghost Protocol was in two thousand eleven. So yeah, there's a huge gap. Yeah. So where it seemed like they didn't weren't going to do any more of them or something like that. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to hone in on the serialization thing that you brought up is because there's two ways that I see it doing this. And we spend a lot of time talking about um, serialization and how you felt specifically like it can drag a story out. Mm -hmm. We all felt that it could drag a story out over time and it's like it becomes homework and do you want to do it? But then there are some – we conflate the word sequel and franchise a lot, but Mm -hmm. they're not really the same Mm – and the two that came to my mind are uh, not so much recent years, but the majority of, of the James Bond franchise are not sequels. Mm, and yeah. Indiana Jones are not sequels per se. Yeah, They're contained yeah. stories. So do we think from from the point we're at of John Wick Chapter 2, would you have preferred another John Wick story or what they went with, which is a continuation of John Wick? 
Could John Wick be a James Bonder in Indiana Jones? Why not? Yeah, I don't. Just it comes down to which do we think would would we have preferred? Yeah, I, I mean, don't. I don't necessarily think so because of the the fact that he wanted out. So, at in the first movie, his goal was to get vengeance and go back home. Mm-hmm. If that were the case, then no, no second movie would have needed to be made. Well, almost so, anything could have brought him back again. It could have, but like that, but this did and this mm-hmm. made sense the way that they set it up it was like he had this I, marker and they set up because that also set up the background of the marker and gave you that lore of the world so i i don't think in this particular case i could see how a standalone story would have worked out as well as a continuation mm-hmm. as much as i think this was a uh up and down movie i feel like um if they had done something like that, I think it would still probably have really high reviews because it would still be uh, technically beautiful as a film. But I feel like critically people would feel underwhelmed, I think, because I think so much of that first John Wick movie is the emotion of it, the emotion of the vengeance mm-hmm. and the connection to the wife and the dog and you know, John Wick's personal vengeance. If you do a story where it's like, okay, this is John Wick three years before where he yeah. retired or you know, like something yeah. like that. It kind of takes all that emotion out of it and puts you into John Wick pre-marriage and you see like who he was. And I feel like who he was is probably less interesting than who he's becoming right now. And that was something that I appreciated about this is that it was a chance to kind of keep moving John forward into who he's going to be, which seems to be some sort of like, you know, the guy who turns the table over type guy as opposed to the guy who follows orders anymore. So... I don't think this is a scenario where they could have done that because it was because that first film is so based on his personal experience and doing something different wouldn't have worked. They could have maybe done something where they were like, with this movie, this movie starts out and it says like five years after John Wick's dog died or something like that. And John Wick's been doing some do it like on the run again for a while or doing something. They could have skipped over large portions of story or large portions of what happened after and told you a, a new story that has only a loose connection to what happened in the first film. But I still feel like, I feel like presenting this, this story of John Wick is happening over the course of less than a month and a half, which is basically what it's been is the most interesting way to do this one. Okay. Well, that was a really artsy fartsy conversation. <laughs> so we don't do that one. Too, no, that we that don't. It's nice often. to have it. Let's uh, let's let's talk about box office. It shows oh, that we right. actually know what we're talking about. Sometimes. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. We've we thought about it at least. Qualified nerds. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Our cards are uh, in the mail. Well, you guys <laughs> get them. Getting them laminated. I'm not. Oh. I'm not there yet. Yeah, Andrew's a cool guy. Uh, I'm not. I'm too not cool even, for school. I'm not even there. You probably so. skateboard. <laughs> no, I roller skate. Oh my gosh, man! <laughs> hey, roller okay. skating's coming back. Let me tell I you what. Slam on the table. Says who? I'm sorry, I apologize. I had a conversation with somebody the other day who was roller skating. Was it a young person? It was a young person. Okay, then if they I know. Mean, they know the young people know. know. Garrett's not that young though, so like. Anybody. Or did they work at a Sonic? They do not work at a Sonic. Okay, then they know. <laughs> All right, the numbers hit us with the numbers. Did this movie? Ma- is, does this one make more? In the first one? It does. John Wick Chapter hey, 2. Yeah. John Wick Chapter 2 debuted at the weekend of February 10th, way back in 2017. Oh, it's a nice Valentine's movie. It is. It's a... Uh, uh, lots of red in this. February 10th, it's a week of, of Valentine's. Red, the, uh, the dead release of Deadpool, I think, a year earlier. Well, mm. released on the Valentine's ultimate Valentine's Day, Day movie. Um, yeah, sure. So yeah, February 10th of 2017, just a two years ago, it finished with a three-day opening total of $30 million. Um, wow. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Now it sounds really good for a sequel to a movie let's, no one heard of. Let's hear what. Mm. Uh, let's hear what. Uh, how what the other films in the top ten that week were. John Wick opened at number three. Tell me again what year this was. Twenty seventeen. Seventeen of uh, February twenty seventeen. John Wick opened at number three. Opened there were two other films opening that weekend. They were the Lego Batman movie, mm. which opened at fifty three million, which is a pretty good film. And yeah, Fifty Shades Darker, another sequel. Uh, Opened at forty six million at number the number two spot. John Wick Chapter Two at thirty million, as we said. The movie Split, good which one. is a spinoff sequel of sorts. Mm-hmm. It is it is a surprise sequel. Uh, Hidden Figures uh, had eight million dollars, came in at number five spot. A Dog's Purpose, which has a sequel out this year. <laughs> true, very uh, true. John Wick journey. has now opened against two of the Dog's Purpose films. That's now I feel like it's on purpose. Yeah, they got the a dog connection there. A dog's journey. There needs to be another. Uh, the The third dog movie needs to be one of. One needs to be one of John's dogs. Dog, and they have emotional. It needs to be like dog's first pup. John's first puppy who has yeah. now been reincarnated yeah. as his new dog. And he's trying to find Keanu. Yeah. Dog's legacy. <laughs> Whatever that studio is can find me online. <laughs> I will. I will start writing immediately. Send invoice to at Josh yeah. Hammond. Please hit me up with that one. Yeah. Yeah, John Wick chapter Hell four. Hell of a crossover. Yeah. And then coming in at number seven, another sequel. It's Rings, the horror movie sequel. Wow. How I wonder how long that had been since the last had to Ring. The big gap there. It was uh it had made it made it made it was at five million dollars. It was at total of twenty one million dollars by that point. Mm. Number eight, La La Land. Mm, a good one. Oscar losing La La Land still mm. hanging in there. Oscar winning and, for ten seconds though. <laughs> number nine, another Oscar nominated film, Lion. Oh, Lion was and, good. Uh, ten is Sing. Ah, yes. Taron Taron uh, Egerton's uh, Rocket Man uh, audition. Seth MacFarlane's in that. Uh, a lot of people I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so that is your weekend for twenty uh, February tenth, twenty seventeen. Yeah, so from the past. So here's some. So yeah, like I said, three sequels in the box office this, that week. And in total, John Wick would finish with $92 million domestically nice. during its 11-week run. Wow. Not long enough. That's not very office. long at all. Add that with its $79 million from overseas markets, and that's a worldwide total of $171 million, which is about four times its budget. So this one really climbed up those things. Not a lot of, like last week I talked about John Wick, one didn't have a lot of like really interesting box office uh, stats or distinctive things to claim to it. Did a little digging for this one. Uh, since it opened at number three, John Wick Chapter Two is the ninth highest-grossing opening weekend for a film that opened at the number three spot. <laughs> that is a series of numbers that, you are that don't base, matter. You are a baseball commentator. Whenever yeah. you come to your yeah, statistics. you really are. This is inside, you're the guy I yell at when this, the game is on. Shut up! <laughs> inside baseball knowledge. Yes, you know, ninth. on the third time around, this guy faces the pitcher. He lays down a bunt twenty-two percent of the time in the yeah. second pitch. Yes, exactly. who cares? John Wick hit the ball. Keanu Reeves films succeed eighty-two percent of the time when they also feature Lawrence Fishburne. Um, that yeah, sounds so, accurate. <laughs> nine, that, that is not a stat I've written here. I made that up all the time. But yeah, it's the nine bi- ninth biggest opening for a film that opened at number three. Uh, it is the highest grossing film, eighth highest grossing film for Keanu Reeves, the sixth highest grossing film for Common, who, if you have time, go to Common's uh, filmography. It is the most random assortment of films I've ever seen. Common is all over the place. And mm. I, I like Common. He's a great guy. You could say it's not very common. It's uncommon is what ah. it is. And it is the number thirteenth like highest grossing film for Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, John Wick Chapter Two is the eight hundredth highest grossing film of all time. 
<laughs> How to do the year end? Oh, yeah, I never look up. I never had that stat. I need to start doing that. Yeah, you do, because I just end up with questions. I also feel like it probably did pretty well for a rated R film. It, uh, it's hard for rated R films to hit the 100 million. Did all right. It's no Meet the Fockers. <laughs> well, sure. yeah, I imagine in <laughs> Fashion of the Christ is the record holder, right? Let's see here. Uh, yearly. It used to be. Is it not anymore? I think Deadpool, Deadpool is right under it. Oh. Is that a Deadpool or is the Hangover? So, uh, at the year's end, John Wick Chapter 2 finished in the number 35 spot mm. on the, for 2017. The highest grossing <laughs> film of 2017. Can you guys guess? Highest grossing of 2017. Oh my God. The last uh, Jedi. Yeah. Oh, you already nailed okay. it. That was, the I was, gonna, last I was trying Jedi. to remember if it's You mean Wars that movie out. that was a complete failure and nobody watched? <laughs> wow. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Here's a couple other failures for you. Uh, number two, two, and three, you have Beauty and the Beast, Wonder Woman, Jumanji, Welcome Back to the Jungle, or Welcome to the Jungle, and Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Rounded up the five, top five highest grossing films of 2017. Any other questions? I can... Uh, I can Scoop them up real quick if there's other. No, sites. I don't think so. I just was curious about the year end. So that's it. Time to move on to okay. the tomato game. Yes, which which Josh is running. I am running this week. Can you remind me what the first one was? Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Okay. I think it was like in the 80s. It was in the 80s. I think it was like 88 or 89. John. I was way off. I thought this film would be like really highly, I thought the first film would be really highly rated by fans mm-hmm. and sort of like kind of loved by critics like kind of a low 80 to 79 region john, john wick one was an 86 percent oh 86 percent uh oh, so there you go uh go ahead though and guess guess your john wick chapter two then i will i will read the consensus and y'all will have the opportunity to amend should you choose okay. I, I, go ahead well i was gonna go with 81 81 Oh man, I really want to give it a low number, but I feel like people liked it more than I did. I'm gonna I'm gonna start at seventy five. I'm gonna say eighty nine percent. Eighty nine, seventy five, and what were you? Eighty one. Eighty one. Okay. I've been undershooting these films way too much. Critics consensus. <laughs> <laughs> Josh trying to not give his mic feedback is hilarious. John Wick. John Wick Chapter Two does what a sequel should. Which, in this case, means doubling down on the nonstop, thrillingly choreographed action that made its predecessor so much fun. Ugh. I disagree. <clears throat> I'm sticking with 89%. I'm sticking right there. I don't think it crossed 90. Okay. But I'm sticking with 89. The last one was what, 86? 86. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with 84. I'm going to go... I'm going to jump to 86. I think it's going to be the same. Okay. The winner with a dead on correct score. Oh, snap. 89%. Oh, David wins. David wins. 89%. Uh, audience score was 85. My first win. I'll give it an 85. I think that's fair. There you go. There you have it. Um, so, uh, so David, run the game next week. you will you Same. will run the game for John Wick chapter oh, three. That's too much. I'm doing box office and the tomato. Uh, yeah, that's right. it. don't don't be successful. I'll try not to talk too much during the tomato part. <laughs> uh, what do we want to give it though? What do we we have to give it uh, out of uh, five bullets? Uh, I give it a I give it a two and a half. Mm, interesting stuff. I too will go with the two and a half. Interesting stuff. I don't I remember gave, what I gave the first. I gave John. I think you gave it a four. Three. Mm, that sounds like me. 
I'm going to give this one a three and a half because it did everything I kind of wanted John Wick 1 to do. It, was, it, it gave me a bit more story. It gave me a bit more uh, world. Um, it does point, hit a plateau for me, but I think, honestly, the, the, the action elements of this are just too cool. Like, the, the whole mirror fight scene is worth watching on its own. I'm also going to go with three and a half. Slightly below my John Wick score, but I was satisfied. Yeah. Cool. Well... Then we will be back next week with uh, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. They just keep adding words to the titles yeah. as the new movie comes out. Yeah. Um, Hand me another clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go back and listen to our John Wick episode if you haven't done that yet. Uh, I don't know why you started with this one, but you know, you know. Yeah, you yeah. can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod, also on Twitter and Instagram. And you can listen to any of our shows on the Soundstooth app, brand new app for oh, right. for right. local creators here in the Tulsa area here in Oklahoma. Soundstooth. Soundstooth. Look that up in the um, app store on, on either device, Android or iPhone. You can mm-hmm. find it there. It is free. There are lots of local shows there that uh, you may not find any other way, and there are a lot of great ones. So check that out. Check out the bulletin boards on there. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yep. And check and us out on Patreon as well. We've Patreon. got, a, we got so an account set up over there. Trying to get a goal of fifteen dollars a month. That's That'd be really great. What we'd like that would really help us plant some of the fees that we we encounter. We don't encounter much, but we encounter a few things. So if we can mm-hmm. get up to fifteen dollars a month, that'd be slamming. Every once in a while. And then of course we're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, and all that good stuff. So find us online. Hit us up. Let us know what you thought of John Wick Chapter Two. Until next time. Anybody want to go to Applebee's? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay.